Hey guys, this is the Hacker Noon podcast, and today we have Reza Jafri, who is the Chief Blockchain Officer at Acoin. He'll be serving as my co-host, and our guest for the day is Danielle Dixon, who is the Chief Executive Officer at the Stellar Development Foundation. Without wasting much time, I'd like to get directly into the point. Danielle, go first. Tell her, tell us a bit about herself, how she came to be the president or the CEO of the Center Development Foundation. Well, thanks so much for having me. This is, it's really fun to be here. I actually joined SDF about a year and a half ago. Jed McCaleb actually reached out to me and I thought when Jed reached out, he was looking for a director for the board. Mm -hmm. I had no idea he was actually looking for an executive director for SDF. And so we're meeting, we were at my offices at Mozilla. I was still working at Mozilla at the time. And we got midway into the conversation and I realized that he was looking for an executive director. And I was like, oh, wait, wait, I, I totally missed this. <laughs> this is what we were talking about. Um, and then Jed and I just kept talking for a period of six or so months. And it was one of the things where I really loved the ethos of the organization. I thought a lot about what my work at Mozilla had been about openness, transparency, focusing on the open web and the development of the web not just for Mozilla's products, but for everyone uh, to keep the web safe. And so much of what I felt like we could do with the foundation had the same type of ethos, but focused on payments and really hitting these real world problems that could change a lot and bring a lot of value to individuals all over the world, focusing on the mission for SDF. So for me, it was sort of a, it was an aha moment of, when you deal in the financial services and when you focus on really creating value for end users, it changes their lives so much, so much more um, and much more quickly. And so it sort of resonated really well with me. So I started a year and a half ago and it's just, I've never looked back. It's just been so much fun. We are very thankful for your contribution and we are very thankful to have you on, on the podcast today. Moving over to Reza. So first questions first. How's working with the rapper Akon? It's it's been fun and it's been definitely been one of the more exciting projects that or one of the more <laughs> the CEO of Acoin absolutely despises when you refer to Acoin as a project. I think his <laughs> words are projects are for middle schoolers. This is a business. Yeah. Um, so we'll pretend I didn't say that. But it's it's been a lot of fun and definitely been a crazy journey so far. Looking forward to launching. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I hear that like it has been developed on the Stellar blockchain. Yes, we are working with uh, Stellar pretty closely right now to try and bring this to life. Definitely. Like, could you uh, give us any of the reasons as to like why you uh, chose Stellar? I guess you have answered the question a million times, but here <laughs> is it for the one million um, and one time. Well, I mean, first things first, the, just the transaction speed. Stellar is, you know, pretty competitive in the amount of transactions it can handle. And similar to what Danelle brought up and why she joined Stellar, just the the ethos and um, Jeb having a lot of the same goals as Akon when it comes to the kind of impact they want to leave on the world and what they want to do in Africa in particular. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like, uh, seemed like a pretty, pretty perfect fit. And I believe that Jeb has known Akon for quite a while now. So it kind of just fell into place. 
Got it, got it. Thank you, Reza, for joining the Hacker Noon podcast. And let's start with the big one. So, uh, Stellar smart contracts are very simple to write. They aren't the hardball to crack like you have them on Ethereum. Maybe a programmer might say that, yeah, all smart contracts are similar. I speak on the basis of what I have spoken to other people. They say that it's very easy to write on the other big thing being Stellar is very fast when it when it comes to transaction speeds. The transaction costs are pretty marginal. So what in the both of you guys' opinion is that Stellar still does not get the kind of recognition that Ethereum does. And by the way, Ethereum finds no love on crypto Twitter. It's all about Bitcoin over there. I see Vitalik trying to fight off people like no Ethereum is good and then a hundred people come and say shit to him. But when it comes to Stellar, where do you guys think what could be the crowning moment for Stellar? And I would like to have both of your opinions on that. Yeah, so let me just jump in and say, I think that what we're trying to do is focused on not just we, so SDF shepherds the code base for the ecosystem. We're not about getting attention and direction to SDF. Like we're really focused on really developing on that mission. Mm -hmm. And so we really want the attention to be focused on those entities that develop on us. Mm -hmm. We would love for Stellar to be a big focal point for lots of folks out there that want to use blockchain to solve a real world problem. And so, and I think we do get a lot of focus from that standpoint. And it is really easy to develop on, and it is very, very inexpensive for the developer from the standpoint mm-hmm. of the transaction costs. And I think that when you, when you, you have to have a lot of patience and dedication and direction and fortitude to really build an ecosystem. If you mm-hmm. want something to happen overnight, well, then this is not the business for you. Like you really need to think about like building an ecosystem takes network right. effects. Right. Building an ecosystem takes a lot of planning and a lot of attention to detail. And so that's what we're really focused on. I do think that 2020 has been a great year for Stellar. We have a mm-hmm. lot of entities, a lot of anchors that have now come to Stellar and our financial institutions that are building on it, which makes it so that there's more opportunity for developers that want to bring their products to Stellar. And so this is just a process. And I, mm-hmm. I actually love the attention that everyone gets. This is an ecosystem play as well in terms of the more attention blockchain gets generally, and the more you can bring blockchain into mainstream, the better it is all, all for the rest of us. The whole notion of the rising tide floats right. all boats. I think that that's a great thing. Right, right. Thank you for your answer. How about you, Reza? I think something that Stellar or like the Stellar team has cultivated really well that doesn't get as much attention as it should is the community. And you kind of spoke to this and saying how easy it is to develop on Stellar. Like it wouldn't be that easy if there wasn't such strong documentation and such a strong right. community built up around it already. And even outside of the sort of open source community that exists, there is the Stellar ecosystem itself where there are, like Danelle spoke to, all these really amazing partnerships happening. And uh, it just seems like there's a lot, there are a lot of resources in the Stellar ecosystem that I don't think uh, developers are completely aware of yet, or it isn't necessarily common knowledge. And I think that as people become more and more aware of that, it will become Mm -hmm. a more popular foundation for some of these blockchain projects. Definitely. And I guess Daniel brought this word called anchors. How would you explain an anchor to someone who doesn't understand it really well? 
Yeah, so I'll just make it the way that I visualize it. Right. If you think about a web, which is essentially what the network is, it's, a, it's a, just an interconnection of all of these computers and servers all over the world. In order for, think about a web that attaches to a window and you need all these attachment points to be right. able to get onto the web or off the web. Right. That is what an anchor is. An anchor is an on-ramp or an off-ramp. They're financial institutions all over the world that are regulated by their local laws and right. they are the ones who provide the ability for you to enter this digital space and then to exit the digital space with your currency. So if you want to convert your local currency into a digital currency and you want to then use it to be able to send it to your family elsewhere, mm -hmm. well, then they could go on the other side and another financial institution will be able to get them off. So it's really an on-ramp and an off-ramp of this really beautiful web that exists. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah. I used to think of it as that game we used to play six degrees of separation and nobody is more than so many degrees away. So yeah, thank you like for that. the wonderful explanation. I told you I am not a programmer, not a technologist by a large degree. So I have to bring up these small analogies for myself. And uh, Danielle, I wanted to ask you, how's working with Professor Mazer is like? <laughs> David's awesome. He's uh, <laughs> He is crazy brilliant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and when you, when you sometimes like you, I have to be a translator so that people can actually like, okay, David, this is what you're trying to get across to the, like the, those of us that are just human, that are mere mortals. Yeah. Um, no, I, I really enjoy David a lot. He just brings a lot to, he, he's got this strong sense of purpose for SDF. Yeah. And I love that. Like one of the things that I think that we could use more of in this world is the focus on the good and that what we want to deliver is good. Jen yeah. and David both have that. They just are really awesome humans to work with because of it. Well, definitely. Like, I guess he's the only guy who wrote that entire thickish manual on a consensus protocol. <laughs> yeah. And continues to write more. On the continues to write more. It's so amazing. Right. <laughs> Um, moving over to Reza, so how far has the Acoin project, in your opinion, could we expect to see it in action anytime soon? Is it being piloted anywhere? Where are we at? It's come along extremely far in the past six to 12 months. I think if it wasn't for COVID, we would have launched already, but when everyone went into quarantine, all you know, the conferences were canceled and the world shifted a little bit and how things were working. We had to take a step back and reassess when we were going to uh, launch, but mm -hmm. it is looking like it will be within the next couple of months. And uh, right now we're about to begin uh, beta testing the MVP and distributing that out to some of our Acoin ambassadors and just making sure all the, all the buttons and levers are working. Mm -hmm. So it should be relatively soon. Definitely. We'll Excited be looking for forward. Yeah. Danielle, from Stellar Development Foundation's perspective, how far do you think Stellar has come in terms of clinching those partnerships with those 210 plus nation states? It's mm, a good question. So I think for us, again, this is about the focus on developing the community and the ecosystem, but we do spend a lot of time with regulators and uh, government agencies all over the world. Part of our role, I think, is really describing what the, the purpose of this blockchain is. 
there's a lot of fear in terms of the supplanting their existing financial infrastructure, which is certainly not what we're intending to do. We want to enhance that infrastructure. We want to make it so there's interoperability between what they have to offer already and what we can actually bring so that there's seamless transaction amongst geographies. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a lot of it is spending time doing that. I think that, you know, we, we focus on there's this whole notion of the CBDCs all over <laughs> the world now. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, and so we try to engage on those. Stellar is a perfect platform to issue if there was a central bank digital currency. And so we spend time on those. But I feel really good about the progress we've made. I think so much of it is one of the pillars that we have that we've created in our organization is we want to be the blockchain that people know and trust. And the trust factor, you don't just, you know, from my standpoint, if you think about that old security adage, you can trust but verify. And mm -hmm. so much of what we want to be able to have people do is not just trust us blankly. We want them to be able to audit our code. Of course, you can do that. But then also as a foundation, we want that transparency so that there's trust there. And I do think that that's what a lot of nation states are focused on. Got it, got it. And when we talk about CBDC, so I have this question and it might be a bit loaded. So yeah, you are free to say, no, I won't answer that. When it comes to CBDCs, do you think of NEO as a competitor? Do, I'm sorry, do we think of what as a competitor? I missed that. Perfect. That was Neo. a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have enough information to be able to respond on that. Perfect, perfect. So just for clarity's sake, letting it out over there, that NEO is also one of the blockchains looks a lot similar to IPFS in certain places and in certain places similar to Stellar. The reason why I brought this up is because there are allegations that uh, the NEO is backed by the Chinese government. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. So here's, here's an important piece. I don't know if that is a competitor for us, but I will tell you this. I think that competition breeds innovation. Right. And so I'm not afraid of competition and particularly of competition that isn't open. From our standpoint, the value of an open decentralized network is that you can actually see what's under the hood. And mm -hmm. so it's one of the things like if, if you want a centralized infrastructure, those already exist in the world mm -hmm. and those are easy to be able to, to get to. So. Got it. That's a very nice answer. And I'd like to lead into a question for Reza. So when we talk about open competition of sorts, and then we see the, the recent run and start American technology companies in particular have had with the Chinese government. Would you say that we are closer to an open competition now than we were before, or are we moving further away from that? Before <laughs> being when? That's a, that's a good question. Let's say 2008 because blockchain. I think that we are, I think that we're getting more competitive in areas that are still developing. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that such areas like blockchain um, that are still growing and sort of in this like frontier industry phase right now. But a lot of the industries, I think that time is like the biggest factor in competition that eventually over the right. decades, you know, governments and other entities get involved and tend to stifle out competition. Well, not the governments, actually. It's the, it's the companies themselves becoming so gigantic that other competition just can't really compete. Mm -hmm. Like what pops into my mind right now is, um, right, there is a, uh, a case against Uber and Lyft in California right now, and they might stop operating 
because the government of California is wanting them to pay payroll tax and to give their all their Uber drivers employee benefits and such. Yeah. And Uber and Lyft have the ability to just what Uber's response is okay if if this if we lose this case we're just not going to offer our services in California and because mm -hmm. they don't have very much competition and they're a relatively new concept you know Uber and ride sharing as a whole hasn't been around that long but they're already so massive that they can just say all right we won't we won't service this area and i as a yeah. consumer am a little concerned about how I'm going to not as a consumer in LA with no vehicle I need to reassess my transportation options if that that happens so I don't it's I think competition ebbs and flows in the different industries mm -hmm. got it got it like I bring this up because things have this habit of being blown out of proportion by the media or whatnot so when I see a, a headline like Jay-Z hanging out with uh, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey. It bothers me. He doesn't hang out with Twitter Dorsey, uh, Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey hangs out with Jay-Z. That should have been the headline. <laughs> but I don't see it anymore. So I guess like maybe some companies are becoming too big to fail or too big to be not broken up by the governments or whatnot. And that brings me to Daniel. So when we talk about organizations becoming too big to fail, are there any fail-safe mechanisms within the Stellar platform or within the Stellar Development Foundation? You have a very wonderful scientifically taken care of governance protocol, but what about the human element? Well, I mean, I think if you're talking about like, is there a concern that it could, they could take over the network? I think that that's just not possible given the way the network actually operates. Mm -hmm. It's immune to a lot of any, you know, any of the attacks that can be um, exerted against other networks just don't work on Stellar. So I actually don't think that there's any challenge with respect to an entity coming in and being so large because you're still going to have to, again, like so many systems are based on trust and you're going to have to garner the trust of the users, the develop other developers to be able to respect your node if you are part of the if you are issuing, if you're running a node on Stellar, for example, but even mm -hmm. if you ran, if you, if you tried to run like a hundred nodes, like it's not going to actually, yeah. you're, you're not going to be able to get that kind of support. So I think that the built-in mechanisms that, that David and others have put into the protocol make it so that mm -hmm. that's just not something to be concerned about. And I just also don't really believe, by the way, that there's any company that's too big to fail. I think mm -hmm. that there are companies that, uh, and because you're all, you're not immune to government intervention, and we see right. that there's lots of government intervention that happens. Mostly, they, I mean, frankly, I'll just be honest and say that Europe is, is the is the the, the government that actually tends to focus on that much more quickly than they do in the U.S. any longer. But I just think that you see that kind of those kinds of investigations happening all over. So, and. Um, one of the things that we need to remember as consumers of all of these right. products is that it's ultimately our choice and we're the ones who make a company succeed or fail uh, it's not the company itself definitely and a very interesting choice of words no company is immune to government intervention it could be for the positive or negative but they would have interventions and I'd like to speak a bit about Venezuela. You guys have your, I think, labs in Venezuela and Nigeria, some pilot programs, some pilot projects, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, well, we have, we have projects all over. Right now, we, I think if you're thinking about, we're, we're building, part of our organization is building a wallet that's focused on first, actually, Argentina. 
And so that's going to be long. It's already out there. Actually, it's available. It's called Vibrant. And if you go to Vibrant Cash, you can see that. But we have we have employees and, and consultants all over the world that we leverage. But we we don't actually control the entities that build on Stellar. And so they're all mm-hmm. over. And it's pretty right. awesome because we get to engage with them everywhere. So we have a big hot spot in Nigeria where there's an entity called Tauri that's it's a financial institution. It's an anchor. And mm-hmm. they've just done a tremendous amount of work to be able to, to bring their anchor work and to then they have opened up corridors between Nigeria and Europe and also Nigeria and you and the US uh, market. So it's just it's really cool to watch this work. But we have folks mm-hmm. all over the world who are working on this. Got it. Like I I asked this question because you you come across cases on the internet where somebody decides to take a bike trip from one part of the continent to the other, only purchasing stuff via cryptocurrencies. These could be outlier cases, but what has your experience been at least on a particular country's basis? It could be Venezuela, Argentina, or Nigeria, which we know are some of the countries that are at the forefront of cryptocurrency acceptance. Wow, that's a really good question. I think that, you know, I'll just be really honest. I think sometimes it matters if you talk about it in terms of blockchain or crypto. Mm-hmm. That crypto word scares people and scares regulators. It um, does, but, it does. <laughs> and so if you, if you talk about blockchain, there are lots of, of countries that are really open to the use of blockchain. I mean, just think about what India, in India, they've just, the laws have changed. Things are opening up there with respect to it. But I think that there, there's still like a hesitancy to be completely open. So we want to yeah. be able to work with companies there to get the government comfortable with what blockchain can do. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I like to talk about it in terms of blockchain because that's actually the process and the underlying technology that, that by which these things happen. The crypto mm-hmm. part is important to the blockchain because it actually provides that cryptographic material that makes it so that you can't spam DDoS and everything's really secure. But mm-hmm. it's actually the blockchain that's important. And so... I do see that, you know, Argentina is a great location for Europe is very open to it. Nigeria, there are lots of uh, places actually in Africa. I love that India is opening its doors to it a bit. So I think we just have a lot of opportunity depending on how we approach these markets. And when I say we, I mean all the ecosystem. If you you really open yourself up to being transparent with these governments, um, you're going to have, I think, an easier inroad. Definitely. And I guess government's hesitation is because coming back to your uh, own words, if you get a lot of crypto adoption, I guess companies start to become immune to government interventions. Which government would want that? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because if you think about the notion of a decentralized network is that there are, you, even we turn off our servers today and the network still operates, right? Mm-hmm. And so the notion of this is it's just like the web. And if you can liken it to the web and this underlying infrastructure, which is beautiful and gives opportunity, it's very similar. But I do think that there, if, you, if you're constantly trying to oppose instead of, again, like it's the supplant versus the enhance. Mm-hmm. If you're challenging those local infra- those local regu- those local governments to say we're going to supplant your structure, you can see why they would react negatively to it. Right. But if you demonstrate that you're enhancing and you're building upon what they have and you're offering opportunity for their constituents, then they're not so opposed to it. So it all, you know, words are really powerful. Right. And it all is in how which words we choose and then how we choose to describe what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Got it. So let me ask you this. 
whenever I speak to somebody who has deployed smart contracts for thousands of dollars, or it could be people as small as transacting a few hundred dollars across a certain blockchains, could be Bitcoin, Ethereum, Stellar, anything. One key theme that has always stood up is that after they hit the send button, they pray. They pray that they did not mess it up. They pray that they did not get one of the characters wrong. When will we stop praying? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know money. if we'll ever stop praying. <laughs> to be completely <laughs> honest with you, I think that like that's that's a byproduct of one of the benefits of blockchain. You know, if you really, if you are the true owner of your money then as the true owner, you also have the ability to like lose that money. And I've, I've seen, I believe a couple of companies that have started initiatives to become sort of like a blockchain or cryptocurrency insurance yeah. uh, company. But then we're kind of going back towards Banks. centralization from, yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, so maybe there will be these sort of middle ground solutions, but I, I can't really see one right now that would maintain the benefits of blockchain while also providing the benefits of an insurance company or a bank, at least within my experience. The, the one thing I'll say though, is that that used to be the, now the way people felt about engaging with the web too. And I think nascent technology creates challenge for users who are new to it. And so I do think that I want people to, to not be scared when they're using the technology, but it's gonna have to be based on the tools that we give them. So if you're mm -hmm. very user focused and user centric and you make things simple for the user, and there are some wallets out there, for example, that I think do a really good job of this. I think that there's less concern, but if, you, if you're anticipating that everyone needs to always remember their private key, or if you make it simple for them to be able to recover their keys, which is what we tried to do with, there's a set, there's a protocol chain, the Stellar Ecosystem pro proposal that we've integrated that makes it so that key recovery is actually a pretty simple thing um, when you're using, and we've done it in a privacy preserving way, and we put it actually in the Vibrant Wallet. These are the kinds of tools that we need to get to, to be able mm -hmm. to make users trust the system because they don't think that once they do that, or if they lose their key, they're done. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, I guess it would be a momentous shift like the ones that we have when we all had those small pocket diaries for phone numbers in our wallets. And then we had cell phones and nobody knows anybody's numbers. Reza, do you have any questions for Danel? Yes. What is, I have a couple questions actually. There <laughs> um, you go. <laughs> so... I'd like to know what you are most excited. I'd like you to pick your favorite child, essentially, and tell me which out of the different projects uh, that the Stellar Development Foundation is supporting right now do you think is the most exciting or is, has a potential to leave the most impacting change uh, in whatever area it's targeting? So I am not going to do that. But I'm going <laughs> to tell you that one of the things that I think is so important that everyone who is like all these different projects out there and 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 then acoin's different because we're not going to call it a project if you focus on the user and the needs of the user and again that really simplicity that big simplicity and ease of use i'm going to love that project because that is how you make blockchain pop 
And the, the thing that has been forgotten so much because when technologists are doing this solely from the technologist side, because this is super interesting and like crazy exciting technology that we're leveraging, they forget that end users don't have all the information that they have and frankly, nor should they. And so I am going to love that project because that or, or that or, or a, you know, a coin, what, what we're doing to these different pieces is really making it simple and solving the real world problems. And so that is what I want to see. And that is what we try to encourage in, in development. And, and we do that through investments in different projects that are out there that are building on Stellar or that haven't yet built on Stellar, but we want to bring to Stellar. We do that through integration support but it's all about really focusing on the user and solving the user's problems instead of just making it, you know, this tech fun that we're going to do this out there and build something. Amazing. And my second question, so you, I know that you worked with Mozilla before coming to SDF and uh, Mozilla was kind of one of the, you know, internet pioneers in my eyes. So I'm really curious what your first impression of cryptocurrency and blockchain was as someone who was, you know, a, a pretty key role in one of the pioneering companies of the internet, one of the last really disruptive technologies to come out. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that the, there is a critical nature of one another and of other humans in blockchain and crypto that I, you know, you see it in technology too, but I think that that was one of the things that I first noticed was, wow, like, like folks can be harsh on one another here. <laughs> we, get that, we get that elsewhere too, but it's like, wow, okay. But the passion is what I love, right? So there's so much similarity between the early days of the internet and what we see here. And there's so many mistakes that we made when we were creating the internet and we see them come to fruition today, right? We screwed up on privacy because we said, hey, everybody, let us do our thing. We know what we're doing. And clearly we didn't. When I say we, I mean, holistically, the ecosystem didn't because we didn't get privacy right. And so my, the reason why I love what we're doing today in blockchain and, and with SDF and Stellar is that we can do things differently here. We can learn from the mistakes that this, those pioneers made when they were forging the, the web. And we can engage with regulators, make people feel safe. We can do things in a way that is much more open and friendly versus to be like, hey, everybody, we've got this because we're the smart ones. Because that doesn't always get you where you want to be, right? And so I think that that is the, the main thing that I love about this and that I feel extraordinarily passionate. But, and, I, and, I, and the passion in this space, which I initially said was critical, it can be easily converted to positive. And I see that happen all over. And so I, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of, uh, passion is a, a generous word for it, but there's, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of it in the space. Yeah, I guess I'd like to follow up on Reza's first question, uh, where he was asking about who can be your favorite child. I'd like to rephrase that. I'd like to ask in terms of what do you think is the least favorite child of all of these Stellar developers, or not exactly Stellar developers, but uh, blockchain companies such as Acoin, that one key Stellar tool that you want people to use and they are not using at all their least favorite child instead of your favorite child? Hmm. Actually, I don't know that, I don't know how to answer that in a, in a way that I think is super useful because I actually don't see a lot of negative 
mm-hmm. out there in terms of what's happening on Stellar. I feel like that's that's mostly really positive. You know, I think that I would love to not have spam. I love to not see those things happen. Like it creates a lot of challenge for the folks that are running nodes and we're contemplating, like we're working with our ecosystem to see how we can eliminate that. But the truth is what I really believe in, and this may be me being blind to certain things is that the folks out there that are building on Stellar are doing it. I want them to be successful, to generate revenue for themselves, to be sustainable. So I encourage and support all of that. Mm-hmm. And I want it to be done by recognizing that there is an ecosystem partner just across the, just around the corner from you that can actually really help you and also benefit itself. And so there's room for everyone to be successful in this. And that's how you build an ecosystem. So mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of the way that I like to think about it instead of in the, in, in the more negative framing, because I, I just don't see that right now. Got it. Got it. And I'd like to switch gears a bit and I'd like to have, both of you guys is a take on this is about censorship resistance i guess every blockchain out there uh, wants to be censorship resistant but we see cases everywhere that there will always be something that offend your understanding of moralities right so there would always be some things that you would want to be taken off from your house at least like let's call your blockchain or your app as your house. So there would be cases like, let's say, child pornography, let's say, some sort of terrorist videos or whatnot. You don't want them ending up on your system. You don't want your platform being used to facilitate those things. But you also want to be censorship resistant. So how did you guys find your needle? Where do you stop the needle? Is it here? Is it there? How do you guys think, at least, is what I would want to know? So I'll start by saying that this is something that we actually had to deal with on what I call the content side of the web. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we always got it right. But I'll tell you that with Stellar, so Stellar is the underlying network. It is the thing that shouldn't be regulated by any government. It is mm-hmm. very akin to the internet and the underpinnings of how the, the, the internet works. And so from that standpoint, Stellar itself should not and does not block access. It's a decentralized open right. permissionless network. And I don't see that changing. I do think it's important, just like when we're dealing with the content side of the web, that the application layers that are working on top of Stellar and building on top of Stellar are mindful of the local regulations about all of these things that you're talking about. KYC Mm -hmm. can help root out some of the terrorist opportunities. Mm -hmm. And, and, And AML is another important piece that folks need to think about. So I think that there, are, there is room for that to be regulated, but it can't be regulated at the network layer because once you do that, it is no longer an open, decentralized, permissionless network, which I think is right. crucial for the development in, in the same way that it was for the web itself. Definitely. I get it. And I guess it makes the same argument that we have is that you cannot penalize the internet service providers for the content that websites have on them. I get it. What do you think about it, Reza? Because you uh, developed those applications. Not those applications, but yeah, (laughs) applications. With Acoin in particular, I don't believe there will be any any functionality that would necessitate us to really answer that question, like Mm -hmm. internally. But in general, 
I do, I do think it is a responsibility of the, the organization, but I lo absolutely love Danelle's answer and I'm so happy that she answered before I did <laughs> because it is, I, I really like how Stellar is or how Danelle in particular worded it and that it is not the responsibility of the foundation, but the, the entities on top of it. Because that, that's really a, a difficult, difficult question. And yeah, I'm, I'm just really happy it's not my job to answer it. Uh, for Acoin right now, so. <laughs> no, I get it. The thing is that whenever I have a smart people such as yourselves on the Hakanun pod, I try to ask them what are your thoughts around the matter. Well, we need to have a consensus of sorts that, okay, this is something that is considered offensive to everybody. Now we have consensus over here. Let's block that out. Let's stamp it out stuff like that and then we could take stuff from there like there would always be fringe cases on both sides some would say that we need to have radical openness everything should be open because it exists right and then there would be the puritanical side of things who find offense at everything right so we need to find a balance over there but yeah i love what you guys have said and to move on from this what should we expect from stellar in the next one to two years so I think that what we need to get even better about is, I think, getting to one of your questions about the, the knowledge uh, that folks have about Stellar. So I, th I mentioned we have three pillars, and the second pillar is really focusing on uh, being the blockchain people know and trust. We're focused on the trust part all over the place. We are focused on also the knowledge part now by, you know, we do marketing for Stellar and for the ecosystem partners. So you're going to see some more of that. And you need to, in order to, and you're going to have to hold me accountable to this because I want to be held accountable. We need to see more anchors, more and more anchors in, in, in joining the network and all over the world. And, you know, it's been phenomenal to see this year how much we have um, grown with respect to that. We have a quarterly, we do a quarterly analyst report to hold ourselves accountable. It's one of the things I think is really important when you're working on an open system to do that. And the increase in anchors from January to today is already significant. And I think by end of year, we'll see more. So we need to see that because that creates those corridors that can open up and allow projects like, or, or, or Acoin, I'm just going to call it that instead of project, to be able to be successful, to have this opportunity to have exchange of value from all over the world. So I think that's a really important piece. So you'll see more of that. So more openness, more discussion, more marketing, more attention to our ecosystem partners, and really just pushing out the value and the, the use cases for Stellar. Got it. That was a wonderful answer, Danielle. And before we close, I have a small fun quiz for both of you. Both of you are on Twitter. I'd like you to name one person that you have followed their tweets but haven't followed them. I... This, this is the thing. I'm just going to say it. I love Chrissy Teigen mm -hmm. and I follow her because I love her recipes and yeah. I think it's awesome. So I always talk about when I'm making dinner for the family here, oh, this is Chrissy's yeah. recipe. And they're like, do you really think she's your friend, don't you? I'm like, oh, she's <laughs> <friend>. <laughs> Right. But the question was that you haven't followed that person on Twitter. Oh, I haven't followed. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> it goes like this. You admire that person's knowledge or whatever, but you cannot follow them because 
then it might become news the next day that oh my god they followed that person huh. i can't think of anyone i would just follow them because i'm not afraid of the news the next day so <laughs> the blockchain hasn't hardened you at all i'm very pleased to hear that <laughs> yeah, how about I, you rasa i, I got to say the same i haven't i haven't ever not followed someone because i was worried about people seeing that i followed them uh-huh i don't believe i hope you don't go through my following list now and point <laughs> out <laughs> uh, no i won't do people. that yeah yeah I, i feel like i'm pretty transparent with my my sources of twitter content got it so part. yeah so what i'll do is i'll change this question i'll give you guys a few names and ask whatever the first word that comes up in your minds right so how about vitalik buterin reza i want you to go first <laughs> unicorn unicorn then <laughs> the animal not not like a startup unicorn <laughs> Wait, I I didn't hear the name. I'm so sorry. It's Vitalik Buterin. Oh. He he's just remarkable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Next up is this conglomerate of people that we call Bitcoin Twitter. Daniel. What is it again? Got it. So I'll give you some context. So basically, Bitcoin Twitter is a term that we use for those group of people who are hardcore maximalists, the kind of people you always see on Twitter saying buy bitcoin today otherwise tomorrow it will be $20000 and your wife will leave you i want to just call it passionate and you guys know what i mean by that word <laughs> how about you reza like you must have had your like run-ins with them a lot my my absolute first instinct was to say toxic but if i could edit it i would like to copy danel's answer and <laughs> say passionate very passionate definitely definitely stressful yeah. <laughs> stressful yes like because you are developing a product and they are like <laughs> ready with their pitch box opinionated <laughs> opinionated <laughs> i get it um how about elizabeth stark i'm not familiar so elizabeth stark is the ceo at lightning labs the guys that are building uh, bitcoins layer to solutions I, i don't have any words i i don't actually have a i don't know like I'm you guys should follow like she's wonderfully knowledgeable always has has a lot to add it looks like i am already following her but i'm yeah apparently a bad follower <laughs> <laughs> i don't uh. think that you spend a lot of time on twitter these days like you're always hands down heads down right yeah as a coin has really picked up speed and been taken up more of my mm-hmm. time the personal things like twitter or even like my own medium and writing or my my hacker noon sorry i won't say yeah. the dirty <laughs> medium word has <laughs> slowed down a little bit got it next up what is the silliest cryptocurrency that you guys have heard of hmm. let's hear like one of you say bitcoin <laughs> <laughs> I I like Bitcoin. I'm 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 a fan. Everyone loves it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have some of that. Like I I I don't think any of them any of the ones that I hold I wouldn't call silly. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Doge is silly, but it's also intentionally silly. You yeah. Know, like, I think it's beautifully silly. It kind of like exposes 
I think Doge was a beautiful social experiment in a way that kind of shows like the, the general population, like what currency is and isn't. You yeah. know, like currency is whatever people will put value behind and like trade, you know, and Doge, like the CEO came out and did a video when it blew up, uh, I think was that last year or just the last bull market saying like, why are you people investing in this? <laughs> like it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting social experiment. Like just, yeah. So just, just for your knowledge, there was this particular ICO whose purpose was to buy a gym membership for Vitalik Buterin. So <laughs> they did an That's ICO. Funny. They raised thousands there, of dollars. I think there used to also be like the crypto kitties too, right? Like I. Yeah, they are like one of the standard bearers of the Bitcoin, uh, yeah. not the Bitcoin, but the at least the non-fungible token community. They had 1,200 uh, people playing it simultaneously, pretty much. Broke the Ethereum blockchain. Yeah, I remember that. So yeah, I guess that brings us to the close of this Hakanoon podcast. And we are very thankful to have both of you on board. You have the best wishes of the Hakanoon community. And if you guys have anything to add to the Hakanoon readers, I would uh, love to give you guys a couple of minutes to speak to them. I just want to say thanks so much for having me. This has been tons of fun. I think that one of the things that I would love to see us do more is to have more outreach to all kinds of folks all over the world. So we're so grateful that you considered us worthy of your time and attention and those of your followers. So thanks for having me and for talking about Stella. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I think you are, you are getting us wrong. Beyond that crypto publication, who's like, pay us $20,000 and we'll have you on the podcast. No, I never thought that. I never thought that. (laughs) Never thought it. So you are always worthy of our time. We have a couple of people from the Stellar Developers Network who write stories on Hakanoon. People like Nikhil. And I would want to encourage more people from the Stellar community to share what they are building with our readers. Love that. How about you, Reza? Yeah, same. I just like to thank you so much for inviting me to be on here, and this has been uh, this has been a great experience. And it was great to meet you, Danelle, and get to learn more about the Stellar Foundation and what you guys are doing. Yeah, you as well. It's been fun. It was actually a really fun hour. Yeah, I'm <laughs> painless, completely painless. Yeah. <laughs> I actually emailed uh, last night, and I said, "Is there anything I should have prepared?" And he said, "Be prepared to have fun." <laughs> uh, you did not lie. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's a wrap on today's episode. And I hope to have you guys sometime back on our podcast again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.